Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. Well, the country is in turmoil once again. Controversy has swamped number 10. Some say his position is untenable and some time is probably uh, time for him to step aside and uh, sooner rather than later and let others have their chance at the big position. But we'll we'll get on to Blair Kinghorn later, Craig. Hashtag Sorry, I uh, my, nice satire. I'm just back inside from my, being out on my doorstep clapping for Boris. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it helps, apparently. So. So mag- does, yeah. magnificent thought. Just I've, I've got this vision of you just out in your doorstep with a, a pot. Pan, pan and a pot and a spoon going to town. I don't know what, my like, neighbours are really upset. I don't know what the problem is. I know. <laughs> it's like fairies. I think it's the same principle as fairies. If you clap your hands hard enough, a nurse gets a, does a little bit better about a job. Absolutely. Doesn't get a pay rise, but... No, no, no. In my professional capacity, I can confirm categorically this is not the case. And if any of my nursing colleagues are watching tonight, I'm sorry. So if so if I say that nurses don't exist, one doesn't die. Is that what you're saying, John? <laughs> yes. It's not. It's not the same principles as fairies. It's not the same principles as fairies. No. I'm, I'm really. Is, fa- it... I'm pleased to hear that. Stop removing Johnny. Let him in. No. I think I you... that spectacularly, didn't I? I think it was me that removed myself, actually. Don't I was I? I was adding you in, and then you were removing yourself, Johnny. That's, oh, right, that's okay. what's happening. There we go. Anyway, we're all we're all here now. As you've heard, I'm joined this evening by John Anderson, Johnny McGinty, and Craig Manson. Good evening, all. Good evening. Hello. Right, five minutes into the podcast, and I've done the introductions. Um, you just missed my uh, Blair Kinghorn satire, Johnny, but we'll, we'll return to that later in the podcast, probably. <laughs> um, so, um, if you are watching us live, we are currently on Twitter, uh, Twitch, and YouTube. Um, you can also watch us on our Patreon-only live stream as well, and you get uh, bonus weekly content if you sign up to our Patreon, patreon.com slash scottishrugbypodcast. Um, you can download the podcast in audio format as well on anywhere that you can get audio podcasts like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere like that. Um, so this evening, um, we've got, um, we'll start with some news, shall we? Craig, you've got, Ember have got a new defence coach. We do. We have Michael Todd coming from uh, um, from the Queensland Reds. Um, so just to, just to start the... Um, the the Weege contingent moaning that uh, that um, we we get uh, looked after before they do, uh, we sign a quality defence coach. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Well, when uh, yeah, John, I know we it's yet to be proven whether he flies over here and he is quite as quality as you think, but because the Queensland Reds haven't been as good a team really as uh, as, but he's obviously thought. Was of well, that so. not where Matt Taylor came from? It was where Steve Tandy came from as well, though. Yeah. And I mean, and that'll be obvious. Not... It's obviously Steve Tandy that's kind of maybe uh, been involved. Do you think that'll be that Scotland defence that's shipping points like they're going out of fashion as well? So you know, cool, good choice, Craig. Good choice. <laughs> you really can't work an angle on anything, can you? The thing is, though, I mean, it's it's an interesting appointment in that, and I don't want to get all Glasgow Ember about it, but Glasgow have been recruiting from I would say within but promoting from within young Scottish coaches which on the one hand you could say is a good thing because it develops young Scottish coaches the other way of looking at it John 
to get your wee green face on is that um, you know Glasgow or the SRU aren't investing as much money in the Glasgow coaching setup as Embra are investing because he won't have come cheap. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that's fair. Um, in t- in terms of that, that would be the, the the premise that a lot of fans would look at. But I think it's safe to say, right? So Edinburgh promoted their head coach from within. Um, so you know that's 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 fair. Mike Blair was an un- unproven head coach when he went to went to take the big job at Edinburgh, and you know he's done really well. So I think you know it, it does go both ways, and you'll be surprised at my lack of like jumping on top of this and being like, uh, yeah, it's all a conspiracy. But um, do you know I think fair play to Edinburgh; they've got a good coach there, great. Um, I think uh, Glasgow have kind of identified that there's there's internal candidates that might might be the best people for the job, although I still like despair at the idea of like Pete Murchie teaching defence, but you know, um it, yeah, I mean he might be the only person available actually for, for Edinburgh as well in terms of the candidates that are there. Um and Edinburgh have had their fill of you know SRU appointed coaches with you know, we'll go back to Duncan Hodge and you probably do deserve a, a few marquee signings for putting up with Hodge for five years or so. So fair play to you. But I still think it's a, a unproven signing. And when you when you when you are as porous as SpongeBob next year, it's gonna be hilarious. Well the thing is we we've got to spend the Glasgow season ticket uh, money somehow. So Yeah, I mean um, that, I, I heard I heard there's about seven or eight season tickets have been renewed. So yeah, aye, I mean it's and they're that it... expensive the, the seven aye, they're, so, they're yeah. the boys. <laughs> the the, the harrods of season tickets. <laughs> I speaking of Glasgow, I was surprised that um Pat MacArthur's gone to Ayrshire Bulls and I was convinced and, and I may have got this wrong that Pat MacArthur was coaching at Glasgow but he he hasn't been I don't know I don't know I've just got him and Pete Murchie mixed up. Yeah, no, Pat, how, but... Pat, Pat went to, um, yeah, when Pat left Glasgow, he took some time off rugby and, yeah. He's, he, he's he was at Ayrshire Bulls, I think, in an assistant capacity. He stepped up the main role. coaching there before. Yeah. He was, yeah, with Pete Murchie, yeah. I think, and then Pete Murchie went up and... Coach. Pete Horn he was head go. coach before Pete Horn took over and now he's back to being head coach again. Is that right? So, yeah. All right. I think so. So, yeah, no, it's, it's not really a surprise and I think... Uh, you know, the only thing that's quite surprising about that is obviously we still talk about the you know six months for Pete Horn at <laughs> Super Six Live. What is like, yeah, you're getting a promotion, son. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I am a big advocate for if you're good enough, you are old enough, experienced enough, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think you know what if someone saw what they like and got the job, fair play. Yeah, I mean, Ayrshire Bulls. Did quite well under Pete Horn, I guess. I mean, it, it's not. He wasn't exactly taking over like Boromir. Do you know what I mean? It, it, the, the kind of nuts and bolts were already there, but they did all right in the Super Six sprint, Johnny. Yeah, and I mean the thing with Pete Horn is that was basically the the first bit of coaching he'd ever done was to be head coach of Ayrshire Bulls. So I think in a lot of ways it probably makes sense for him, even though Glasgow obviously has a bigger job to come back and do skills coach and and kind of get used to the idea of coaching. He has been coaching for some time though. B- bits and pieces, but not like <clears throat> not like a proper full-time coaching job. Mm. So for your first full-time coaching job to be a head coach, even if it is in Super 6, 
it, it's a big jump and it's a, it's a big change. So getting a bit of full-time coaching experience at Glasgow, maybe you'll end up back at the Super 6 once he's done a bit more of it, or maybe they just saw him do it for a couple of months and went, oh, actually, he knows what he's doing. We'll just get him back to our pro team. We will wait and see. Yeah. Um, other news is um, I'm just asking questions. Um, Adam Ash has um, <laughs> taken up a coaching role at uh, Stirling County. Um the one that Scott Lawson, I think, had. I hadn't realised that he'd retired from uh, due to an injury. I thought he was. I thought it was just that the Guiltinis weren't allowed to play rugby anymore, and that's why he's. <laughs> he's um. He's also not as old as I thought he was. He's twenty. Yeah, he's 20 retired at twenty eight. I I kind of thought he'd be coming towards the end of his career anyway. To be honest, I thought it was like uh, oh, there's no point looking for another job. Retire, not uh, retiring at twenty eight. Neck injury, that's what sitting in front of uh, conspiracy theory videos on YouTube will do to you. Yeah. Right, give us a crack in your neck that you get stuck with us. I think Stirling's going to be a perfect place for him because, you know, uh, uh, the Stirling rules and you'll get dream catchers and everything put up and you'll uh, <laughs> really, you'll fit in really well down there. Yeah. Very good. Have, have you have any, one of those jackets with the, 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 with the have you not the seen wolves. the jacket with the wolves on the do back? You know what do you know what? That's what Stirling County need. I know you're a big fan of the Stirling County stash, Johnny, but you know those um, T-shirts that you buy, you see on Amazon, if you type wolf and Yeah, room, like the ones that. you used to get in, like, in shops. Remember in yes. shops that used to be in the middle of shopping centres? And there was always a shop that sold, like, a purple tie-dye T-shirt with a big wolf and a moon on it. Yeah, like a meatloaf yeah. cover. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That, the that's, what, that's what the Stirling uh, County training kit needs to be next season <laughs> and you can have that idea for free but i want i want a i want to train and invest but I want in one. <laughs> well we were going to do a try and get the super six stash well yeah we uh, should say if we we've we've johnny's already expressed his his love of the uh sterling county wool stash um you know i'm obviously i wouldn't say no to the my my st- um so the night <laughs> Um, so we, we, we're happy to review Super 6 Stash. If, if any franchises want to send us some stash our way, we'll, we'll happily review it and wear it on the podcast. I mean, it's, I've got a massive, massive group of tops in there, and I'm happy to review the Ayrshire Bulls against any of them. Are your allegiances up for grabs here, John? That's what I'm Absolutely, asking. yeah. Do I mean... Because I, I think, you know, I've, I'm, I'm already pretty committed. But are you saying you, you could be bought by... I mean, send you the yeah, most like, like I, th- I think, like, in true Super 6 style, I can be bought. Uh, just like the franchises were, so you know, like, <laughs> start your bidding process now. Bring oh, see, I, I was hoping you're just going to go for Ayrshire Bulls, and then I get the chance of like three people, three teams that uh, might find oh, something, yeah, in their, yeah, something yeah. in their kit that actually like fits me. Well, there's a challenge, isn't it? For all the there's a chance for all the franchises, Craig, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. If all yeah. six franchises send their biggest bit of kit to Craig, we'll see who the winner is. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen some of the, you know, I've seen some of the, some of the lads that played for Boromir last last season. You'll know, you'll know, you'll know. You'll be fine, Craig. Craig. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> some, some big boys in there. There was some big boys <laughs> last season. Um, I don't know if there's any other news. I don't. Nobody's signed contracts that I can remember seeing. We still haven't. Glasgow still haven't got a head coach. Nah, we don't need what? one. We're just going to let the players coach. <laughs> <laughs> gotta go, gotta go Harlequin style. That's it. Coach you yeah, yeah. by committee. 
That's, a, that's, essentially, how they, that's essentially how the government's been run now. Hey! <laughs> Hashtag satire. Um, <laughs> at what point? But at what point does it become a problem for, for Glasgow? Because it four it's probably ago. not a problem now. Four weeks four, ago. Four weeks ago, when 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 the season ticket renewals came out, that's when it became a problem. Well, um, Dragons yeah. launched their rebrand last week uh, at their first day of pre-season. So, <laughs> if yeah, there pre-season are start, yeah. already. There's a difference between a rebrand, though, and uh, we do need a whole new structure yeah, but, at the top. But if other if other teams have started pre-season, then ah, true, yeah, yeah. not having a coach is a problem. It's a massive <laughs> like problem. You know, I take your point, yeah, no, you're right. Although, one of our more successful coaches didn't turn up for pre-season, so, you know, hmm. um, maybe, maybe we just need Kenny Murray to come back and lead pre-season, and then uh, Scott Robertson will turn up in October and we'll be fine. Awesome. Sure. You write that in your dream journal, John. I'm, I've, I've messaged your, your chest. Stick in your hope I'm, chest. I've, I've messaged Adam Ash about it and we're going to have a podcast about it. His penny pocket diary. We're, we're, going, to, we're going to attract him with some really, really interesting business propositions. <laughs> you can tell anyway. him how easy it is to break dance on 4G. <laughs> 4G, that's for, that's for losers, mate. 5. five. 5G. I don't I know, know if he gets five Sterling. Maybe that's why he's moved there. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> let's move on. The um, should we talk about? Do you want to talk about the under twenties? <laughs> I mean, we should, right? Let, yeah. Let, right? Yeah, let's. But we're not doing this like joyously. We don't want to do this, but we have to. Yeah, we don't normally have time to talk about the under twenties. Just with. You know, we try and keep the main podcast to an hour and sometimes there's just too much rugby to watch so it falls by the wayside. But it's still not going well. I still can't tell if this is the after effects of COVID. Right. The way that the pathways work in Scotland is that all the lads that are coming through now would have been, what, 16, 17 when COVID hit. So wouldn't have even, maybe not even have, been in the academy systems or on the fringes of it, so had two years to eighteen months of club training as and when it was available, and now are being asked to play under twenties. Whereas the other teams that we're playing against now, maybe start them in academy. I don't know. Maybe have have start them in the academies younger. I mean, it's a, va- a valid question, Cammy. I d- I don't know. Um. Unfortunately, the evidence is, you know, the, the, the thing with age-grade rugby is that, you know, it's it's by its very nature, it's limited by, by age ranges. And um, I think Scotland have notoriously been bad at developing players at a younger age. You know, if you think about when, when players make their debut, young players make their debut, it tends to be a couple of years after the other countries. You know, like, think about Wales and... Obviously, George North at eighteen, and you know, think there's that's not that's not a unique situation for Wales. But then you're looking at guys like Adam Hastings coming through. It's got a great prospect at the time, and it was like he's twenty three when he's making his debut. Yeah, Adam Hastings came. Adam Adam Hastings didn't come through the Scottish system. He didn't come through the academy. No, you're right, and that and I, I just think it's maybe a Scottish mentality that we don't actually put trust in. It's back to what I said right at the start. If you're if you're good enough, you're old enough, and I think that's not necessarily 
came through in Scottish rugby yet. And the the counter issue to that is that I don't think our, our young players are necessarily yeah we're we're not developing people quickly enough, and we're, as such, under twenties get smashed. We're yeah. not physically developing them quickly enough. Is yeah. is the most glaring problem. Like, oh, they were they're giving away kilos to every single player across the pitch in every game so far, and Georgia just blew them off the ball at every possible opportunity yesterday. Like the strength, whatever's going on with the strength and conditioning is, it, it seems like it's nothing to be honest. It's like basically non-existent. You look at condition of the score. Yeah, I wonder whether now, Craig. I wonder how much of that is a welfare issue, and there is a bit of a. Do you know? Do we want to be a country that are, do you know, punishing, putting our under twenty through, you know, punishing regimes just to be good at under twenty level? You know, because because there might be something to said for other maybe other countries are putting their players through a, a ringer at a young age that they shouldn't be, and maybe we shouldn't be playing catch up, Craig, with that and just doing our own thing. I I think there's a fundamental issue with how the how the process works, however, for for because if you look at um, all the school teams, we, we're in a well, I can only talk from experience, my experience, but you're seeing kids coming through a system. And for example, um, if you look at Bell Baxter, for example, which is the school that feeds the, 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 the how works with and, 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 uh, and, and produced Pete Horn, George Horn, Chris Fazzaro, etc., in that wonder team. Well, George wasn't, but the issue you have is that. Um, that 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 was that particular non non private school um, survived and worked well because they had a teacher a PE teacher there who enjoyed rugby and was a and 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 so the funding came in from the SRU and it was spent on rugby and it, it was pushed. The problem you have now is that, for example, at Bell Baxter, that particular teacher left. And was replaced by someone who likes football, so it then just shifted. and And there is some rugby played at the at, at, at Bell Baxter School, but um, and I'm I'm talking about Bell Baxter School. They're not the only ones. I'm, there'll, be, mm. there'll be many schools all over Scotland exactly the same. So you know you've we're missing out. If you look at the funnel, the funnel is being all, all automatically um, decreased at the top because. You're now only selecting, and and really only selecting from private schools, because, for example, we have players that have come through our system, and then they go to they go up to age grade rugby of sixteen, seventeen, and they're offered a scholarship to go to a private school, and the issue you then have is they then go from they were a player with us, they've come through the system, they've worked with our team. They've been working with these coaches doing this, that, and the other, and then automatically spirited away, um, shoved in a gym five or six days a week, and told to get, you know, and and sometimes moved position, and there's been no discussion between club and other school, and and, and, and there's it's all disjointed, mm. and I, and I think it's it's a it, for me, um, we are bringing the funnel very, very tight, whereas we're not opening out. If we had more and more schools with rugby 
involved with the schools, and I know that they're trying to do something about it, but I think you'll get more and more players coming through, talented players like Finn Russell, for example, who came who didn't come through a private school pathway and was discovered. And, and I think we, we tend to take our eye off the ball and, and then pump these boys through a certain specific way and they're not being exposed to other types of rugby, if you know what I mean. I don't, yeah. I don't know if I'm being clear. That's Finn Russell's talked about that, hasn't he? That he, you know, he, he kind of, he had a life, he had a career and stuff, and then he was picked up. And there is an element, I think there is a, not not every kid develops at the same rate and at the same time, you know. Exactly. So just because you can't write kids off at sixteen because they have. I mean, I've talked about it myself. I, you know, at sixteen I was five foot ten, and I stopped playing rugby because I was. I kind of felt I was quite kind of. I was better. I was better in the forwards. I was. I could. I can't run for toffee, I was fine in the forwards. But I felt at five foot ten. I was too. I was far too small to play in in the forwards anymore. So I gave up for. Like I, I just gave up. A year later, I was six foot one, and I think this. That 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 kind of period from fifteen sixteen onwards, you can go through different developments at different rates, and players can get left. I mean, I'm not saying I would have been a good rugby player; I would have been awful. But <laughs> there's plenty of other players who, I mean, Darcy Graham's an example, isn't it? That Darcy Graham has had to fight his way to get to where he is because he was written off. He he talks about being written off by his coaches because he was too small. So there's an element of self-fulfilling prophecies about all this as well, because I think the private school thing you bring up, Craig, is very important. Um, we look at other success, successful rugby nations, people who've done professionalism correctly, and you know, ultimately you've got talented players being then fast-tracked into you know, um, private schools where they then play against other private schools, they play, you know, they play a lot of rugby and all of a sudden they're the best players to go on and represent when actually, as you rightly say, Cam, you know, development happens at a different rate. So a person who's not identified at 14 as being maybe the most talented rugby player in their school who doesn't get the scholarship to go off they get lost to the game or potentially get lost to the game when actually they, the potential they've got might, they might have been a better player. And I think we, the academies are a good starting point, but ultimately, and I don't want to be that guy that's saying private school's bad, but ultimately if you've got a situation where guys are being fast-tracked into positions where they're only going to, they're going to be exposed to a lot of rugby and we know that, Exposure to rugby at that age does develop you, helps you become a better player, but the opportunities are not there for everyone. And I, I just think we, we are really missing the trick by not having almost like thinking about like the French football, um, to use a, a different um, analogy, French football, it's all kind of, you know, academy based in that every potential prospect in the country has the opportunity to go and be part of this academy potentially and we we, we have such dwindling player numbers at youth level the fact we're almost excluding people seems bizarre I, I think also you know for it's a mixture of two things obviously um, I know the, the, the two boys for example that, that I know that have gone 
Um, and I think there's a third now that's, that, that are going and getting a, getting a scholarship. First things first, I would never, ever stand in their way. And, and of, course be, I'd, you know, of course And not. I've said to them, go for it, you know, go on. Like, you know, and if I can help you in any way, go do it. Because it's, you know, they're going to be open to a whole a whole new level or a whole new life. They'll become but, better players for it. That's yeah, a fact. absolutely, absolutely. And even if they even if even if they don't become better players, they get a, a year of high quality education. They get op- their, their eyes open to different things, and, and it's a life experience. My my issue is that, um, and and I have to be very careful here because I know that that the, some of the rugby coaches that are involved in the private schools are incredibly talented, are incredibly good with the boys and the, and the girls now. And and I, I would I'm not taking anything away from them, but but you're also um, if you're taking from specific these schools, um, you're also um, stopping the access to players to different coaches. They're all in a very specific, you know they're in that coaches style. They're in that coaches style. Whereas there's there's a there's a myriad of talented coaches across Scotland. That, that, that help in different ways and, and, and open the, the players' eyes to different things. Um, and, and and you tend to, it tends to be very much, it, it becomes more closed, you know? Every, every coach I've played under, I've learned something different from. And yeah. you're absolutely right. You don't necessarily get that breadth of experience by going into a system that is, you know, it's it's not the same, but it is, you know, it's it's a private school, it's a coach who's probably done the same pathway. It, yeah, it, I take your point. I think you're absolutely right. Like players, I think if we want players to have a well-balanced, well-rounded approach to the game, then exposure to different places, different coaches, different environments, probably even in a non-competitive manner, where they're learning, they're just learning the game, is so important. So it's a, it's a really valid point, Craig. I can't, who was the player It's bothering me now? It was, the, it was a back row for Ember that was talking about this, how he'd been, he, he hadn't, he'd struggled and had to fight every inch of the way to get into the Ember squad because he hadn't come through the school system. And I can't remember, he's not Luke Crosby. Somebody else in the back row a couple of seasons ago was talking about this kind of publicly. But the fact that the selectors were, you know, the selectors for the age grade teams and the representative teams are all from the same clubs and they're all from the same schools and they all pick the players from the same clubs in the same schools. And I can't remember who who it was now. And the name escapes me. It's going to, it's going to bug me all it, night. It's right in my head. It's in my head too. I know exactly who you're talking about, but I don't know. The name's not there. No. Mm. I want to say that Crosby, but no, it's not Luke Crosby. I'm, work, I'm working on it, guys. I'll see if I can find yeah. it. Go see if you can find it, John. But yeah, it's not, you know, yeah, it's not ideal the current system. And I think Kenny, you know, Kenny Murray's kind of come out and said it's not just the under twenty group; it's the whole performance pathway that needs looking at. Yeah. So, okay, let's look. We're half an hour in. Should we talk about the Argentina game now? Uh, I've put off long enough. Yeah. <laughs> I hope Johnny's got notes because I believe he, he was on a, another <laughs> podcast and he made notes for that podcast. No, I didn't make notes. I said I should make notes. Ah, <laughs> maybe I would make too many mistakes key, if I do key, make notes. Key difference? No, no, yeah. you would make just as many mistakes, buddy. I <laughs> never, well, never, listen, never. Last time I was on, last time I was on the podcast that Craig's talking about, I 
decided I was going out of my way to be nice about Edinburgh and it was the week of the URC quarterfinal and I said how great Edinburgh's back row has been and I said in particular Conor Boyle was great. Now Conor Boyle's been really good all year but he wasn't in the 23 for the quarterfinal. I was, <laughs> I was thinking about Luke Crosby and I said Conor Boyle so maybe I should just maybe I should just start writing a little bit now. That's the last time I tried to be nice about Edinburgh. <laughs> that was your key mistake mate. That's fine. Blood and mud. Most blood and mud. Most people that listen to blood and mud are from Wales anyway, so you'd be fine, Johnny. Cut a boil. He sounds like a Welshman. That's how you sounded, Cockney, John. You don't. <laughs> uh, I'm not the accents guy here. Yeah. So, um, did we learn anything from that game, Craig? Um. Funnily enough, John Anderson's just disappeared, and I'm, I, know. I don't know whether he's giggling behind the behind the the silence there. I, I don't think we've le- I, I think we've absolutely learned nothing. I think, well, no, I take it back. I think I think we'll, we've learned two things. Matt Fagerson um, uh, is is a, is a strong um, ball carrier going forward, and he did a very very good job, um, uh, and was one of a very very few. Players that did a good job on that on the weekend, um, what and have I you think done with the real Craig. Sorry, I said what have you done with the real Craig? <laughs> um, oh, don't worry about it. the real Craig. will come back in a minute. Um, <laughs> but uh, and also, I think Rory Hutchison should be involved with the Scotland squad and uh, moving forward. Um, I, I have my own thoughts on it. And I'm sure we'll share them very, and they're probably very, very similar to everyone else here. But um, I don't think he's, he's, you know, even at 15, he looked very, very um, Rory Hutchison esque, and he was doing everything that we thought um, he would do. So I was, I was pleased with his performance. But unfortunately, um, Scotland looked underdone, uh, underprepared, um, jet lagged, rusty, whatever you want to call it. They, they, they did not perform very very well on the weekend. I mean, this, the forwards in particular, I mean, I know you mentioned kind of Matt Ferguson there, Craig, but Johnny, I th- the forwards in particular just seem to be missing something. And I don't know. It's hard. I mean, it was interesting that, um, was it, <laughs> I think it was uh, Rory in the group chat today was saying, um, kind of, kind of put the close <laughs> Magnus Bradbury was playing. Yeah, yeah, and it's one of those things where, and we've talked about this with Magnus Bradbury before. Is he looks fantastic for Edinburgh and does an absolutely amazing job? And Magnus Bradbury has looked amazing for Scotland in the past, but does tend to kind of fade away. And I think we know that our strongest position, particularly in the forwards, is in the back row. And uh, you can see our, our a lot of our game plan is built around. In defence, the back row disrupting quick ball from the opposition and protecting ball when we're on the attack and when it's not functioning and when players are quiet, you can see why everything just falls apart because you just can't get tempo into the attack and you can't disrupt the and, and it allows the opposition to get tempo into their attack. Yeah, and like we've said about Magus Bradbury loads of times before when Magnus Bradbury plays well, Scotland play well. But I'm now beginning to think that when Scotland are playing well, Magnus Bradbury plays well, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
like if everything's going well, he he's a really really good player to have on the team. When everything's not going so well, you know, like like Rory was saying, he he kind of fades into the background a little bit. It will be interesting to see how this weekend goes, because um, it's a, obviously a big change in the back row. To be honest, for for months I've been saying, I think that we've we've chosen a better way of doing our summer tour than everybody else because we've given some senior players some time off. We haven't picked as high level an opposition, you know, like we're not playing three tests against South Africa or New Zealand or whatever. So by the same token, I struggle to get too worked up about it. Yeah. But at the same time, I love love that you think that was our choice, Johnny. (laughs) 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 It was our choice. We chose to go and play Argentina rather than they were the only team that would have us. (laughs) I think we were, ours was announced first, was it not? Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily mean that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's John. What was your? You learn anything? Um. Yeah, I mean, I wa- I watched it, and there was there was a lot of things kind of stood out to me in terms of attitude, um, desire. You know, there was. The, I think people. People were quite quick to jump on the the players, but actually, altitude played a huge part in it as well. And you know, the guys, Glasgow and Edinburgh fans who've seen their teams go to altitude games and seen the way players can struggle at that, I think you know to say they're underdone. I think isn't totally fair. I think, you know, the altitude will have played a huge part in that and I think, you know, the guys are obviously not going to be playing a World Cup at altitude next year, so there's no there's no reason for them to be prepped for it, as, as opposed to previous World Cup where the summer before we went to Japan and we played in sweltering heat in Japan and we had it all sussed out and then we absolutely rooted it come World Cup time. So, um, it's it's a really difficult one. I think what we've learned is the same characters flattered to deceive in Scotland shirts. I think positional the positional decisions are absolutely bonkers. And again, it's a development tour, and I think that's we we have to really phrase it as that now. It's clearly a development tour. We're not talking about a a fully fledged summer tour here. Um. So it'll be really interesting to see. The guys have obviously had a week to work on a lot of, you know, we hear a lot from the Scotland squad about, you know, it's the, the, the old catchphrase that we all hate about, uh, yeah, we know we know what went wrong and we're going to work on it through. And the boys have trained well through the week and we've heard all that crap come out as well. So let's see. The proof, the proof of the pudding's Saturday night and I think everyone needs a, a vastly improved Scotland performance. Because let's be honest, they were desperate at the weekend. They were really poor. Yeah, and the was the positional things in interest, and it's I struggle with positional stuff because I don't. It's hard to know from watching it whether or not it's a coaching problem or a player problem. So if you're standing where you're told to stand by your coach, then that's not necessarily your fault. Although, but you can only stand where you. You know, a coach can only get you so far. So Hutchinson yeah. with four four games at fullback in his career. There's no way he's going to be able to, you know, look at, 
you always talk about experience in a position. Just guys who are, you know, 30, 30 years of age, have played fullback all their days. They know where to be. They they just know. And Hutchinson is not going to be that. And he's not going to play there at his club level. So what what are we doing? I think I think though that Hutchinson is a bit of a I, I think I think Hugh Jones was on the tour um along with Ollie Smith and that that was your fullback and that was your backup fullback. And with Hugh Jones getting getting injured, I think Hutchison has been put in the fullback. Um, well, why, why would you not put Ollie Smith in there, like? Well, I, I, honestly, mate, I don't know. Because, you know, and, and I'm sure we'll get to, we'll get to, um, uh, you know, get to the, the 10 position in a minute. But I certainly would have rather have seen Ollie Smith, if this is a development to it, I, I would far rather have seen Ollie Smith at 15. Definitely. Um, Definitely. And I think I'd far rather see Hutchison at 12. Correct. And 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 that's and then and then um, you know I'm keeping my powder dry, but uh, but that's that's where I feel that that those those players should be. It I think also two the two of the issues it removes yeah. two of the issues for the aforementioned ten. Um, yeah. It removes two out of position players. Uh, you know, it gives it gives Hutchinson a run at twelve, gives us an actual fullback. It probably alleviates a lot of the pressure that has come. On, I think on reflection, I don't think, and I, I think I'm going to end up agreeing with Craig. So, you know, I've seen what Craig's tweet going on and the discussion Craig was involved with on Twitter earlier this week. I think that the problem with it's not the problem with Blake King, it's not his fault. The issue is that Townsend or whoever the are the guys, I forget his name, the South African French... A.J. Zoha. That's it. I knew it sounded like something from a Thor movie. Um, (laughs) They've decided to carry on playing the way Scotland have been playing for the past couple of seasons and just stick Blair King on in at 10. Now... If you are going to play Blair, Blair Kinghorn can play at 10 and is a 10 for Edinburgh and is a very good 10 for Edinburgh, an exceptional 10, Craig, you know, for Edinburgh. But he is used in a certain way and he has players around him, James Lang outside him at 12, that allow him to play differently to how a Finn Russell or an Adam Hastings might play. And we've, we've talked about this previously on the podcast. The problem is not with Blair King on. The problem is that they're trying to make him be a player that he's not, and they're not. And, and he, if it's a development to why Sam Johnson outside of him, yeah. Sam Johnson's the wrong person for him to be outside of yeah. him. And, and, and I'm not. This isn't disparaging Sam Johnson. Sam Johnson is used to having um, a Finn Russell or an Adam Hastings inside him, who is a who you know. Runs flat balls, crash balls, run, you know, flat passes um, right across the front of the defenders, uh, kicks and chips over the top, etc., etc. That's what Sam Johnson's used to. And Sam Johnson is used to running onto a ball at, at high pace. Whereas Blair Kinghorn's used to having someone outside him who's a second distributor, yeah. will take a crash ball now and then, but will we'll be looking at Blair Kinghorn breaking. Break, you know, breaking the defensive line and taking an offload inside him. 
it's a totally different way of 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 how Sam Johnson plays and he uh, plays his rugby at, at Glasgow, and it's a totally you know and it's a totally different and Glasgow's a totally different way from so trying to to force round pegs into square holes is 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 and and that's why that's why I got so frustrated this week because those people who know better and those people who don't don't know anything all just piled on to Blair Kinghorn. And it's like, yeah. Blair, I'm sorry, but, you know, and I'm not going to mention his mother, Johnny, don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 this, this guy is working incredibly hard. It's his first full season with Edinburgh at 10. And he's played incredibly well for Edinburgh. And, and if he's not, you know... He made a lot of mistakes on the weekend. I've got no doubt about that at all. But you you show me a Finn Russell when he start, first started playing for Scotland, he made plenty of mistakes as well. Yeah. So I people think, need to I, just wind their neck. I, 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 I think, think the difference me. is, though, that I think, and to be fair, I think the difference is, and probably why people are a bit more like judgmental about it, Craig, is when Finn Russell came on the scene, yes, he made a ton of mistakes and certain elements of the fan group jumped on him for that. And still do. And still yeah. do. Yeah. But but Scotland's attack was exciting. Scotland's attack went forward. Scotland actually looked like they could score tries. Yeah, but where but was it before? They where was it before he? Where was it before when he came along? It was nowhere. And no, uh, correct, he was, correct. So he was going to make a huge difference. Now you've got... Well, you say that, but then you've got Tom Heathcote, who was a very competent 10, who was competent. Par- parachuted... In. But no, he, was, he was a very good 10 in the Premiership and was considered like a good attacking 10, and he was putting that Scotland team. And yes, he again failed miserably. There's been plenty of 10s that have come into that Scotland team and have looked crap and then so there was no guarantee Finn Russell looked amazing at Glasgow when he first came through there was no guarantee he would go into that Scotland team and flourish and he did and he made the attack very exciting and Scotland played their best rugby with an early era because because he had players outside of him that worked to the way that he played he had Pete Horn outside of him as a second distributor and if you look at the game at the weekend when the Scotland's attack fired, Blair Kinghorn had Rory Hutchinson outside of him. That was, you know, when, when, you know, you look at the tries, you know, it, it, they, they're kind of popping passes to each other and that's that should be your 10-12, not your 10-15. I it mean, you can do it and you can shift things around, but it's... The, the, the point you make, Craig, about the flat ball is really interesting because a lot of Blair Kinghorn's mistakes came from that 10-12 channel. And the, and and I'm not suggesting in any world that professional rugby players are not able to adjust to each other's passing patterns or, or style, but a lot of ball from 10 was shoveled uh, and it wasn't necessarily quality passing. I, I but he's, he's been asked to shuffle. He's been asked to shovel, and he's not a shoveler. I think that would be no. the point that Craig would make. I, 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 I think he should take contact at that point. He's a big boy. Go for it, dude. Please, game. Don't I, shovel. I just, yeah, but the thing is, that's that's maybe not the game plan. And like we talked about this the other week, what we want from the coaches, because we have a limited player pool, is a is a coaching staff that can plan a game plan around the playing personnel that they've got. And this game plan, the game plan that we played on Saturday night is not the game plan that suits the personnel that are out there. doesn't suit Blair Kinghorn. It didn't really particularly suit Ali Price. It didn't suit 
playing Hutchison from 15, the coaches have got to look at that and go, right, well, the players we've got now are not the players for this game plan. Finn Russell's not there, Stuart Hogg's not there, Chris Harris isn't there. We need to chuck out the game plan that we would have for those players and we need to have a game plan that fits the players who are playing. Yeah, don't ask people to don't don't ask people to do what they can't do. I think that's really sensible. And you know, if you want Blair King on to offer offer what you can do, give him space, give him time, let him do what he can do, let him let him break that line. Let him you know, we've talked, Craig, I love when he runs hard from the ten channel, challenges the ten twelve axis and really gets that offload out the back. That's brilliant. That's what he offers as his point of difference. He's not a distributor. He can't distribute. He's passing. Yeah, but, no, has I, always I been poor. No, I think you're wrong at that. I think I think I I understand where you're coming from, and I understand he made mistakes on the weekend, and I'm not going to defend his mistakes because I can't. The issue, you know, the issue I had was, you know, he he deferred back to almost an Edinburgh attack style, and you had that ball getting flicked flicked back. Um, for Sam Johnson, and Sam Johnson was either, either overrunning it or Blair Kinghorn was putting it too far in front of him or too far behind him. And we saw two or three of those balls that ended up on the ground. And I totally understand that's where people get frustrated when they see ball hitting the ground instead of a, a pair of hands. But, the, the, you know, that's this. He needs to adapt to the style that Tooney is wanting him to play, I guess. But I guess when he comes under pressure, he then... Well, no, I don't even think it comes under pressure. That must be a move that he had planned with Sam Johnson mm-hmm. where, where the ball came back to him. But again, if it, if you've got Hutchie... Uh, not Hutchie, if you've got... Um, uh, if you've got Chris Dean or you've got... Um, uh, God, he's, he's, James he's, Lang. James Lang and, and Sainham, who, who are playing that, playing that particular pass on a regular basis all the time. Now, I'm not saying that they should be in the squad. I'm just saying that, that, that that's the sort of play and they're ready for that ball. Whereas Sammy Jade, I don't see him taking that sort of ball regularly from Ross Thompson or from or from Dunkey Weir in a Glasgow in a Glasgow game. He hasn't it's taken a, any ball from Dunkey Weir. Well yeah. So <laughs> so it's it's I, all I'm all I'm trying to say is that I'm not I'm I'm not having a go at, I'm not saying that Blair King or was was as as is wonderful and all your everybody's wrong. I do not accept that he is not an international ten, and I don't accept that. Um, I don't accept the amount of criticism that went at him this week, considering how poorly our forwards played. An and- international ten needs to have a skill set where they can distribute the ball. The number of passes that hit the deck throughout this season, now I appreciate it's his first season playing 10, but the number of balls that have hit the ground with Blair Kinghorn passing it is unacceptable but, but, for a 10. But, but how many times the balls hit the deck with Finn Russell when we're under pressure? And that comes back to Craig's point about the the the, the forwards. I mean, you've got uh, Katrina Yoon saying, you know, Kinghorn's better when he has time on the ball and space to attack and play people on, either due to the press of the defence or how others around him played. He looked pretty average at the weekend. Now, I like, I, that's an interesting point, something Craig's touched on. is if, And we've said this about Finn Russell. Finn Russell looks average when the forward pack are going backwards. When the forward pack aren't getting good, clean ball for the backs, Finn Russell struggles. And we've said that's when he has his quiet games. That's when he tries to force things. And that's when we all spend the next week on Twitter trying to explain why he's actually a genius, even though he's just had a really, 
<laughs> crap game against France. Do you know what I mean? And I think you have to see. I agree with Craig that I can see Blacking Hall. It's hard to rate Blacking Hall's performance when our forwards essentially rolled over and had their tummies tickled. Yeah. I I don't think that Blair Kinghorn played especially well this weekend. But there were large parts of that that weren't his fault. Like, I wouldn't go as far as to say he's not an international 10. What I think he's not is, is an international 10 in that system. That system doesn't suit him. It wasn't doing him any favours. The forwards were going backwards. He can't. He cannot shoulder all the blame. He wasn't good, but it wasn't entirely on him. I tell I, you what. What he is is an international fifteen in that system. But that's the thing. Don't no. Hang on a minute. That's this is the same people that are pulling him apart for saying he's not an international ten. Three years ago, said he wasn't an international fifteen. I'm fairly <laughs> so sure. I, so, fairly sure we didn't. But okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about. Well, yeah, I'm talking about you a little bit. But. Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what, I'm pretty sure you know, we did. I appreciate you did say that, John. I'm, I'm I mean, sure I can go back. We can go back. Yeah. Like, like, no, I, the great I, thing I'm, is we record these, so we can go back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy what, to be proven wrong. <laughs> what 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 annoyed me about the whole thing, and and, and we're going. I'm going to forget about Blair Kinghorn now, um, which I never forget about Blair. Um, I, often, but, uh, I, often, I often do. But if Blair was having so much of a mare, why the hell did Ross Thompson not come in at? Come on, at sixty minutes. Such bad management, by the way. And 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 I and, and I when I look at the two different styles of play, and you look at you look at, for example, Finn Russell. If you've got Finn Russell, and you've got and you've got Blair Kinghorn on the, on on the bench. I would expect to see those players come on because if you're under the pump, especially when you're under the pump like like we were against Argentina, you bring on. You've got these totally different styles of ten. You bring them on to change the game. My only thought was. That the things are going so badly for the forwards that the coaches are thinking, well, Blair Kinghorn can at least handle this, and maybe it's too much to throw Ross Thompson on. Yeah, I, I'm not saying uh, that's the right uh, call, but I wonder whether that's part behind of thinking. the Glasgow pack all season, so he is more than versed in going backwards and would probably <laughs> have been fine. The, the thing is, though, like a Glasgow pack misfiring in the URC. It's different. To it's not test country. rugby. I, I like, know. how many times have we said that? I know, but you know, you're never going to find out. But like, let's put it this way: these guys are going to play the rest of their career behind a Scotland pack. We're never going to have a bomb squad. We're never going to have a South African pack. We're never going to have the level of dominance in the forwards that we want. These guys are going to have to learn to play international rugby whilst going backwards. So, well, I, I just this is the thing, though, John, and 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 this is what what amazed me to, on, on the weekend is the fact that, you know, we've all talked about this is going to be a development. Um, this is a development tour. This is a tour that we're, we're taking boys out there to, to, to blood them, to play them, to let them, let them, you know, see what they're going to do. And if we're going to play Rory Hutchison at 15, why the hell are we not putting Ross Thompson in to have a yeah. goal? I, I, I totally agree, Craig. And actually, I was sitting there at 60 minutes going, this, this is a joke. Like he should, he should be getting a game. It should be in there. I totally agree. You could have stuck Thompson at ten, moved Hutchison in at twelve, and stuck Blair King home back at fifteen. Almost like yeah. we could have picked people in I was, actual position. I was screaming for them to do that from about fifty-five. And I bet, I genuinely bet it would have improved. People, it would have been so much more comfortable. Now I get we're developing Kinghorn at ten. That's fine, but it would have been better. 
But why did, and that's why I don't, why the others, I'm going to go the other way. Why did we not, if we're going to leave Blair Kinghorn on, why don't we bring Hutchie up to 12 and put Ollie Smith on? Was he on the bench? The bench. Was no. he not on the bench? Sorry, okay, right, fair enough. Because like, we didn't have that. a 15, we had one playing 10. Yeah. And I guess that's why, and and, and no matter what, what, how much we talk about it, I guess that's the, one of the main major reasons that Blair Kinghorn is in the Scotland squad, is the fact that he can play and he can be taken to, to the Rugby World Cup and he can play wing, you know, back three or ten. And, and and it's it's going to provide it's going to be this sort well, of. I I think that's what, really important as long as he is considered in that way. Like I I'm think all for that versatility. Yeah, I'm beginning to think he's not. That's my concern. Yeah, my worry is I don't know what. I I've got no idea what Scotland's game plan is. Haven't watched that game. Yeah, I've got no idea at all. I've no idea what we're we're trying to do anymore. I don't think the players looked like they knew what they were trying to do. And my worry is, I think it's fine. I'm happy and would be delighted to take Blair Kinghorn, Adam Hastings and Finn Russell to a World Cup because all three can offer versatility across across the backs mm. and you'd be have plenty of cover to select specialist positions elsewhere and have the luxury of doing that. But I don't think that... It's hard because he's supposed to be the cleverest coach in bloody world rugby, but he's not. I I don't think he's he's got the plan to go. Okay, if if we're having Finn Russell at ten, this is the style of rugby we're going to go. These are the guys I'm going to have to go have around him to play this way. If Blair Kinghorn comes on, we're going to have to play a little bit deeper. I'm going to need a second distributor with him at twelve. Even if that's Finn Russell, I could shift Finn Russell out to twelve and bring Kinghorn on at ten. And we'll have to, we'll just have to change the shape of the attack, and we'll call these moves at all. It just seems incapable of, of doing that. And what it is is, it's like, okay, Blair, this is how we play rugby. And I know, you, you know, so on, on you go, on you go. And that's, you know, it's not that fair to ask him to do that if, if, if that's, you know, that's not playing to his strengths. Yeah, no, that, actually, that's my thing. Is that I like, I honestly can't put all the blame on him because. He's been asked to do things that that are not in his skill set and are not something he's used to doing. So I don't think blame it. As we said, me and Josh said the exact same thing about about the Georgian referee in the Wales South Africa game. Him and Blair Kinghorn had very similar weekends where they had not a great time of it at all, but they were put in a position that they should never have been put in, yeah. and it wasn't their fault. But can you imagine though, if if they if they worked it out right, and you've got a Scotland team with Finn Russell at ten playing 50, 60 minutes of a game of rugby and, you know, it's a tight game and then 60 minutes, you shift Russell to 12, bring Kinghorn on at 10 and completely change, just just like that, switch completely different. It's a completely different team now playing a completely different game and what that would do to an opposition. Yeah, and and equally, you start with Kinghorn at 10 and then you move him to 15. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you've got him and Van der Merva as two massive strike runners coming out the backfield. You're bringing what, on a ten who'll do that. What was the deal with the the the, the wings at the weekend? By the way, have Scotland forgotten that we have a six foot five monster who like we can actually utilise? Like Van der Merwe was so underused, and we were using Darcy Graham for crash ball, which I get. I mean, I love Darcy in the crash more than anything, but when you've got the other guy who's probably double the size of him, that really really seemed brain dead. Yeah. I thought Duhan, like, Duhan's defence, though. Duhan's defence. That's oh, come on. Yes. Leaps and bounds. Yeah. 
a year ago, would you have thought that four or five world-class interventions from Doohan in defence would have been what stopped that from getting an absolute paddling at the weekend? Yeah. Because he was phenomenal in defence. English Premiership has a lot to answer for. Um, to be fair, so well done. And that, Doohan. That, that was always, that was always the risk with him going down to England and kind of leaving the Scottish system. Is he'd obviously worked really hard when he, since he'd come to Edinburgh on his skill set, and he you know he said in interviews he knew that defence was his weakness, and I think the risk was he goes to England and. In it's that exposed. setup, you don't. We're not exposed, but I don't think you get developed in this. I'm not sure players get developed in the same way because there's maybe not time to do that as there is to do it with have you work ons in the Scottish system where you get rest yeah, weeks and you're rotated and your time's managed. The worry was, well, he's just going to be flogged in the Premiership and he'll have no time to think every week, and then he'll be up to Scotland for the Six Nations in the autumn tests. But actually. He's. It's rare, I think, for a Scottish player to go down to the Premiership and come back better. Yeah, I, I, think, I, I saw him have like... a couple of phenomenal games in defence for Worcester in the Premiership Cup. Yeah, and, I was, like, and it, it was at that point that I was like, if he's defended that well in the Prem Cup, how good is his defending going to be? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. The, the Worcester have had to defend quite a lot this season, so <laughs> 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 it's, probably, it's probably the lot of time you work on it. Eh? Absolutely, I, can't, yeah. I can't think of. I can't think of a player that's gone a Scottish player's gone down to England and come back better. I think Hastings has developed probably yeah. apart, apparently Matt Scott is now the best centre in the world so <laughs> what do you mean is now has always been <laughs> <laughs> tell you what would sort that whole thing out would have been Blair King one at ten Matt Scott at twelve and Ben's at thirteen <laughs> that would have been you sorted there'd be none of your you know none of your you know just give us oh. the backline, we'd be fine. Oh, I'd be desperate, honestly. Uh, oh, <laughs> back, back, back to the days of counting how far behind we are by the number of penalties Blair Kinghorn's going to miss. <laughs> um, speaking of which, who who's Edinburgh's kicking coach? Because I uh, think, yeah, fired. I think Kinghorn, Kinghorn <laughs> and Buffelli were both like about sixty percent on Saturday night. They were I think I think it's so. Buffelli has been ninety odd percent in the URC. Yeah. And and I, I don't know whether it was because I, I, I'm not gonna I'm I'm absolutely not gonna go there with Blair Kinghorn because I know he's kicking. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the thing is, the thing is, and that's that, that's the weird one though is that um, yeah, he made a couple of kicking mistakes on the weekend, but actually when the chips were down, he put some phenomenal kicks into touch down into the five into the five meter. Are you talking um, about Buffelli and not Kinghorn? No, no, I'm talking about Kinghorn. Oh. But Buffelli, Buffelli, um, well, you'd have to look at Buffelli. Buffelli was standout again for Argentina. Um, uh, whether it was, I couldn't believe, I thought we would we would be absolutely hammered because of his kicking. I thought if he, if, you know, if you think of the points he left I mean, there. Yeah, yeah, I would have lost my bet because I had um, Argentina plus 10. Mm. Like, I, so, so Argentina to win by 1 to 10. <laughs> Scab. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I got it at two to one. I was very pleased. Uh, so uh, if Buffelli had actually been competent, we would have been gubbed. So it's Chris, pa- Chris Parson does a lot of the kicking coaching, I think, for M. Ryan Glasgow. Yeah, so. he's, um... I, th- I, th- I think you're, you're stretching it a little bit, saying he wasn't competent. I think on the field he was incredibly competent, and then one of the reasons that we we are sitting on the other side of a loss was Buffelli's uh, was Buffelli's play, but. 
his kicking was a was definitely dis- had disappeared. His boot, he must have had a new pair of boots on or something. I was suggesting his kicking wasn't competent, Craig. I oh, well, like, yeah, yeah. His overall right. play was competent. He was very. Well, good. you weren't very clear that way. It was better uh, than our wings. Put it that way. <laughs> before um, before we head off to the the Patreon special podcast, I should just say that um, I was delighted, and I, and I think this is down to the work of the podcast to see. That Chris Patterson is no longer being forced to record podcasts in his car. Yeah, yeah. They've actually taken him to Argentina. <gasps> Have they really? I know. Oh. I got like now. I don't know where he's staying. I don't know whether whether they've got him in a crate or something like that. Because <laughs> is there a Buenos Aires like that's down, that's down at the work of this podcast. Our campaign to get the SIU to get Chris Patterson some proper recording space, not to sit in his car <laughs> in he's the rain like Marion and Jeff. Steakhouse. <laughs> I'm gonna to have to do the. I'm gonna to have to do the pod next week from my car or something. Aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, see if you can get sent to Argentina. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fancy a steak. No, well, I mean, that wasn't why we were making those rumors, but you know, okay. <laughs> let's, let's go with it. Yeah, go, Craig. Yeah. Well, look, we, we'll we'll know that continue the discussion about the weekend's game in the Patreon special podcast. Like I said, if you want to sign up for that, we do an extra bonus podcast every week. Um, for our patrons, it's patreon.com slash Scottish Rugby Podcast. You can sign up from £3 a month. For the moment, for this week, and we will be back next week, is goodbye from me and goodbye from Johnny, Craig, and John. Bye. 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 Bye.